Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius continuing the series in the book of Galatians. Now we arrive at chapter 3 of the letter of Epistle of Apostle Paul to the Galatians. In this chapter 3, Paul will begin to distinguish between faith and work, the works of the Lord. And let's read it and I will explain as we go along. Yeah, Apostle Paul said, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only will I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now he's challenging the Galatian believers. That, oh, is this a bewitching that makes you to begin to turn from what I taught you? And you are trying to do something. They say, how did you get the Holy Ghost? Is it by walking the righteousness of don't do this, touch you, don't do this, that make you to get the Holy Ghost? Or just by believing in Christ and Christ giving the Holy Ghost? It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we get the Holy Ghost, not by the works of the Lord. So that's what he was questioning them. See, receiving the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit that was baptizing them, because when you are born again, Christ fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us to speak in tongues and prophesy. He said, do you receive this by the works of the Lord? Is it because you are now righteous or you are righteous by your don't do this, do that, that make you to receive the Holy Ghost of the Lord? No. It's just by believing in Christ. And God is now giving us the Holy Spirit by just believing in Christ. No matter who you are before, once you are born again and you are shaped from within, God gives you the Holy Spirit. So that's what he was questioning them. How do you get the Holy Spirit? By the works of the Lord, by hearing of faith. Verse 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Now, it's the word flesh is representing the works of the law. Why the spirit is representing just believing by faith. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Verse 5, what did it suffer? Because there was persecution. Many of those people, when they believed Christ, they were persecuted by their relatives and non-believers and that's what's mean that they have suffered for Christ also. Anyone that believes Christ and has not really been persecuted is almost I mean by non-believers, maybe you are not following Christ the right way. Because if you have followed if you believe Christ and you have been touched by logic, you want to tell other people. And in telling them is what's going to expose you to them. That make them to want to fight you. To want to confront you. You want to tell your relatives, you want to tell your parents, you want to tell your children, you want to tell your friends about this new life. If you have been born again, something has changed within you. You'll be telling them that I don't do those things no more. Christ has changed my life. That is the born again experience. And when you begin to do that, the devil will be mad at you. And you raise up persecution from those people you are telling. From those people you are not even telling, but they just heard that you have changed. If you are if you are in your, in your place of work, the non-believers will want to persecute you. The extreme jihadists will want to persecute you. Then you are one of the, you, are, you are now a candidate or you are now in the class of the prophets. That's what Jesus Christ said. Say, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. She should rejoice and be exceeding glad because you are now so for so persecuted they the prophets ever before you. You are now in the class of the prophets of God when they persecute you. But if you are never persecuted, maybe you have been hiding your Christianity. You have been hiding your Christianity. Nobody knows you are Christian because it's not showing your lifestyle. So you have to check yourself. Are you really a Christian? Have you really given your life to Christ and He has changed you? Why are you not telling everybody else about this, this new life?
Are you afraid? You shouldn't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be persecuted. Don't be afraid to suffer for with Christ. That's what Paul is saying to the Galatians. He said, have you suffered all these things in vain? If it's yet in vain. That's verse 4 of Galatians chapter 3. Verse 5. He therefore that ministered to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, do, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith, that is the miracles that Capos Paul was working in their midst was done by the works of the Lord that he was so righteous that's why he was doing just by the, by the believing in faith. You be hearing of faith. Now he's going to begin to talk about doing allegory between Abraham and the children of Abraham. And let's read on verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that day we shall of faith the same are the children of Abraham. Now, why did he bring in Abraham here? Because when you go back to the book of Genesis, you begin to see how God declared that Abraham was righteous. And it's not because of Abraham did this, Abraham did that. It was because Abraham believed God. God told Abraham that, oh, you will have a son. When he was already 75 years old, by that time. And he said, I mean, you have not given any child. He said, you will have a son. Look at the stars. You see how many there so shall your sons be, your seed be. And the Bible says Abraham believed. By just believing God, God said that's righteous. That is, righteous means you are right, you are in right standing with God. You are in right standing with God. That's what righteousness means. You are in right standing with God. So because Abraham believed what God told him, that makes him called righteous. So that's what Apostle Paul is alluding to, that Abraham believed God is what was accounted to him for righteousness. Not all the works of the law and now don't do this and do that. And verse 8 said, And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen a true faith preached before the gospel of Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. That is, that is the promise of God through Abraham to all the rest of the world. That through Abraham all nations shall be blessed. Talking about the Messiah that will come and save the whole world. Verse 9 says, So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the Lord are under the cause. For it is written, Cause is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the Lord to do them. Now, look at verse 10 again. Apostle Paul is explaining that. Anyone that is under the works of the Lord, as many as are of the works of the Lord, that is, if they are drinking, they are going to please God by the works of the law, all the laws of Moses. If that's how they think they are going to please God and be accepted by God, they say they are under a curse. Why? Because it is written, "Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them." Now that is serious because Moses was not saying. You have to be 70% to be passed. Or you have to be 50% to pass. He said you have to be in all these things you wrote down to pass. Not just 50% of it. Not even 90%. You must do all those things that you wrote down for you to pass. That's why it's like a course. Because the Bible makes out no clear that if you offend in one, you are broken all. Just offending in one, you are broken all. That's why there is no one that is righteous. That's why God has to forgive the old world and come and say, now let me give you an antidote. 
and he come and say, I give my son. Just receive my son into you, and he will live inside you and make you a new creature, acceptable to God. Make you acceptable to God by he living his life through you. You say, well, sometimes when he's living his life through me, I'm still struggling with some things. He's working on it. It is acceptable to God because it is his son that is doing it through you. He's working his life through you. And you know that you are not perfect. That's why he put teachers in the body of Christ. Teach my people until they come to be, come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's why in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 said, he put apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers in the church, in his body, to perfect the saints for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is, he is building us up. So don't be concerned that you are not perfect yet, but he is working on you. If Christ is in you, he is working on you. But you first get Jesus Christ inside you. That is the born again experience. And he's working the rest to make you perfect. That's what Apostle Paul is saying here. But you see, how do you get Christ in you? By believing in him and believing in his blood that he shed for you and confess it with your mouth and that will change you from within and then you can begin to tell others and that's what we are explaining right here so Apostle Paul he went for that and said anyone that is still thinking it is by keeping the law of Moses that's how they are going to be pleasing God he said they are under a curse because Moses said you have to do all those things not just not just some 50% or 90% all verse 11 said but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is Evident for it is written in the Bible that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You see that in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. Also in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 17. And he said, The law is not of faith. The law of Moses is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them, is what Moses wrote. But verse 13 is critical. Apostle Paul says, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, being made a cause for us. For it is written, Cause is everyone that angered on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So you see, in verse 13, then, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. So what is the cause of the law? Well, we can go to the book of Deuteronomy, verse chapter 21, and also Deuteronomy chapter 28, and see what Moses wrote for those who do not obey the law that he wrote down. And that is the cause of the law. It's like a curse upon everyone that will not fulfill, that will not obey all those things that he wrote down. Not just 50% of it or 70% of it. He said all. You can look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it was, let's read it, I'll read some few verses here. If you read from chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, verse 1 and verse 1 to about verse to verse 14, is just blessing if you obey the laws of Moses. But then from verse 15, it boot the courses, and that so many Bible verses, so it's so, it's so plenty. In verse 16 up to verse 61, he actually put a serious course in verse 61 of chapter, the chapter 20. He said, Also, also, 
every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. If you don't keep all those laws. So you can see that the, that's why you call it a curse. And the curse of the law is summarized into sicknesses, diseases, death. That's what is the cause of the Lord. But what does the Galatians chapter 3 say? Christ has come to redeem us from that. Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the Lord, being made a cause for us. He himself become the cause for us so that we can take his life. He took away our cause, he gave us his own life. That's what Jesus Christ is. He is the Lord from heaven and he has eternal life in him and he gave us his own eternal life. He took the cause away and took the cause upon himself on the cross because he said, cause is everyone that angered on a tree. That's what the law of Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 23. And so Christ came and allowed himself to hang on the tree and die for mankind. And that is what Apostle Paul was referring to in that chapter, verse, chapter 3 verse 13 of Galatians. Why did he do the cause? So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the, upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. And we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we are now being given the Holy Spirit through the faith in Jesus Christ because he took away our cause he took away our death and he gave us his own life. It's an exchange. But why will he do that? Because he can he has power to come back by himself. None of human beings can go to death and come back by himself. Every human being when they die they are in high in hell or they are being rescued from the grips of Satan and kept in paradise. But they couldn't come back by themselves. But the Lord Jesus Christ has the power to lay down his life and has the power to take his life again. That's what he said before he went to the cross. And so, he sacrificed himself for us. God has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he, he took our death and gave us his own life. And then when he was crucified and he went to the hell there and he conquered hell, death and hell, came back by himself and took his, his body back alive because he asked about to know that he could save us, could deliver us, exchange our own death with his own life. So now we have eternal life and he came back and took his body back because he's God Almighty. So now we can see why Apostle Paul was saying Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the Lord. He made a cause for us. Now in verse 15, I'm continuing again, I continue in verse 15, God, we are reading Galatians chapter 3. Verse 15, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Now Apostle Paul is going to compare covenants, because we have a new covenant in Christ Jesus. The covenant that was given through Moses to the, uh, to the Jews is being, uh, is being thrown away, destroyed. And a new covenant is being given to mankind by the God Almighty, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's going to now begin to explain in verse from verse 15. So even if the man's covenant, it will be it, if it be confirmed, no man disown let it or let to that. When people make agreements and they sign a contract, that's what it's talking about covenant contract. Once it is confirmed, you can't change it. Even in, in human in human businesses. So now he's going to talk of the covenant between God and Abraham. Verse 16 said, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. His seed, not seeds. Singular, a single seed. He said not unto seeds as of many, 
but as of one unto thy seed, which is Christ. That is, when God was talking to Abraham in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verse 17, God was talking about one particular seed of Abraham. You know, Abraham has many sons. When you say Ishmael was the first son, then Isaac was the seed that God promised. Well, it looked like this Isaac God was talking about. But Abraham has some other children after Isaac. That I, another woman that he married after Sarah, his wife died. Keturah is the woman. And he has about five other children. One of them is the Midianites. Okay, but all of those things, God is saying it is just one seed. So because God had a plan for through one seed, God is going to bless the whole world through one seed of Abraham. So God has to choose one of those sons. So he chose Isaac. But the promise is not just for Isaac directly. It's actually for the seed that will bless the world, which is Christ. The seed that will bless the world is not the descendants of Isaac. It's just one seed out of those descendants of Isaac. And that is what Apostle Paul is referring to. It is in this Apostle Paul's letter that we get this revelation. That what God was telling Abraham was actually prophesying of a seed of Abraham, not the seed of Abraham, descendants of Abraham. It's just one seed that's going to bless the world. And that seed is the Messiah, Christ, that was going to come through the seed of the line of Abraham. Abraham has so many sons, but he chose one particular one, Isaac, through whom these tribes will come. But God is just choosing those tribes, not just all the tribes, but it's going towards one particular seed. God has in mind to go through one particular seed of Abraham that is going to bless the whole world, that is going to redeem the whole world. Yes, he was selecting one particular seed of Abraham that is going to bless the whole world. But you, have to, you can't get a seed without getting a whole nation because you have to get this seed through human race. So that's why God chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the tribe of Israel before from where the seed will come, that seed called Christ, that will bless the whole world, that will be sacrificed for the whole world. And that was the plan of God originally. But it takes revelation for anybody to know that. They thought, we just thought the way are the people God has chosen. But they didn't know what God is going to do with the rest of the Gentiles. They didn't know what God was going to do with them. When God created these Gentiles too, yeah, but they didn't know. And God was still only revealing it a little at a time through those prophets, what God planned. What God planned. Abraham said, no, no, he just thought one of my seed. Okay, anyway, God had a plan originally that through Adam and Eve, God has already promised he's going to bring a seed from Eve that is going to destroy Satan. And God was already talking about the Messiah. Right from the day God, that Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, God has already promised he's going to bring a seed that is going to destroy Satan. So God has to choose Abraham, then God has to choose one of the children of Abraham, Isaac, and brought a nation from there. And from that nation, God is going to bring this seed, and the Messiah came. And save the whole world, and destroy Satan. And that is really what is the plan of God from the beginning. And it takes reading these letters of Apostle Paul to be able to understand this through the revelation of the Holy Ghost. And that's what Apostle Paul was saying here, revealing to us here, that the promise to Abraham was not to all the seeds of Abraham, but to one seed, one particular seed, which is Christ, not Isaac. Christ is the seed God is getting to. But they have to go through one person, Isaac, 
then through one nation Israel and just to get to that seed that is going to come the seed of Abraham which is going to be the seed of the woman if he said the seed of that woman will bruise the head of Satan in the Genesis chapter 3 that God was talking to the serpent that he will bruise enmity between thy seed and our seed that seed of the woman that will come and destroy serpent Satan is Messiah Christ and he did that now verse 17 Apostle Paul went further and said and this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ the law which was 430 years after you see now cannot disannul it that it should make the promise of non-effect so what Apostle Paul is saying here you can also refer to that in Romans chapter 4 verse 13 <coughs> in this verse 17 eh, Apostle Paul is saying God has confirmed this covenant with in Christ with Abraham that the seed of Abraham will possess the the world, the nation will bless the world through that seed the whole world will be blessed that God promised that was it was Apostle Paul was saying that that promise that God was giving to Abraham in that Genesis chapter 17 verse 17 was actually talking about the Christ and is confirming it to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 it was the seed Christ is that seed that God was talking about not just the nation of Israel and that's what the Jews of that time were thinking is the nation of Israel no it was a seed that we do this Christ is that seed that we bring God to the whole world and save mankind it was the seed of Abraham Christ not the nation of Israel that's why some Jews up to today that don't want to believe Jesus is a Messiah they will point to this Isaiah chapter 53 where we said Isaiah was prophesied by the Messiah dying for us they say oh it's the nation of Israel that is being crushed in the crucible of God no it is one city one person Christ as Apostle was pointing out eh? that's why they call it the Pauline doctrine it's Apostle that God revealed this to and he preached to the Gentiles and everyone that, that understood it they praise God that God has brought in the Gentiles that's why I say Christ in us is the hope of our glory Christ is going to is living inside us is the only hope that we have that we enter that eternal kingdom so he said the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ the law that God gave to Moses which was 430 years later does not change that covenant so that's what he's saying in verse 17 so the law was given by Moses and that law was given only 430 years after Abraham so he said that law can't change the promise that God already given to Abraham it does not change it nor disannul it that, that, that the promise cannot be, can, uh, become non-effect he said well the law was given as a temporary temporary measure to keep the Jews the Israelites in line before the Messiah comes that's what he's explaining in this chapter now verse 18 says for if the inheritance be of the law it is no more of promise but God gave it to Abraham by promise that is, if the inheritance is to be by the law of Moses, it is no more of promise because Moses said you have to fulfill, do all these things so you can, you can be blessed by God, you can be inheriting God's promise. But God said, 
It is a promise he made to Abraham, not by the works of Abraham, but by promise of God, a gift. So he said, if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Say, when they wherefore then served the law, why do we give the law in verse 19? Say, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now he was saying, the law of Moses was added to the Israelites temporarily till the seed, the real seed, which is Christ, the Messiah, should come. So that law was to keep them. He, he went for that and called the law a schoolmaster. Like when they have a king, a king that has, that's ruling the whole, his, his whole kingdom, and he has a son that's going to inherit his throne, that when that son of the king is still a baby, they put him under, tut under tutors. There will, be, there will be some people that will be taking care of the baby until the baby become a grown adult and the, the baby become an adult that can take over the throne. He will be under tutors and they will be teaching the baby how to do this, how to do that. And all that. He said the law is like that to us. The law is like a schoolmaster. That's how he called it. He was using that analogy. That the law is to us is like a schoolmaster until the Messiah comes. So that's what he was trying to explain in verse 19. He said it was added because of transgression till the sea should come to whom the promise was made. Verse 20 said, Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Verse 21 is the Lord then against the promises of God, say, God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, the righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all other sin that the promise of faith, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. See, the scripture has said all have sinned. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. So, wherefore the law is, was our schoolmaster. You remember that what I just said? When a king has a little baby that is going to inherit the throne, the baby will be under tutors as long as he's still a baby until the mature adult and he's able to take over the throne. So, that's how he said, the law is like a schoolmaster for us in verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. See, but after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. You understand that? After faith has come to us and we have been saved, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So we are now children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So when we have been baptized in water, and we are baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. We are put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither born nor free. And there's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. So we are Abraham's seed. When we come to Christ, we become part of Abraham. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Male and female. Jew or Gentile. We are all one in Christ Jesus. When we have accepted Christ and is in us. We are now the seed of Abraham. By the faith in the Son of in, in Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the, the message that Apostle Paul was revealed to us that Christ in us is the hope of our glory. Christ living inside us, living his life through us, is the hope of our glory. And I pray that the Lord will give you understanding in this teaching so that you can walk 
humbly before God, thanking God that he called you to be a particular of this lifestyle of Christ, a particular of this new nature that Christ has given to us. And it's a promise God has made through Abraham, and we just received it. Receive Christ into you, and you shall be saved. God bless you.